Section 24 of A Minor War History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. A Minor War History by Martin Alonzo Haynes. Letter 67. Camp near Alexandria, Virginia. September the 14th, 1862. It bids fair to be a very hot day, so I am starting my letter just as early as I can get down to business. Father got over the river three or four days ago. Dan Clark, U.S. Senator, took it up with the War Department and Jerry got his pass. He is going to stay several days longer and you can imagine how much I am enjoying his visit. He is spending a good part of his time visiting the hospitals and hunting out and cheering up the New Hampshire men he finds there. He doesn't say anything, but I have my doubts whether the lodgings here are fully up to his standard of comfort. Rod Manning and I, in our capacity as chambermaids, make up the best bed we can with the materials at our command and give E.G. the middle berth with us under the eaves. But the ground is hard and a knapsack or pair of shoes is not a real good pillow until you get fitted to them. Our guest grunts a good deal and turns over pretty often, and this morning I woke up before daylight and found him outside, sitting on a cracker box over a little campfire he had nursed into action. Since my last letter, we have moved our camp about two miles over to Fairfax Seminary, a brick building now occupied as a hospital on the heights overlooking the city of Alexandria. Our camp is right to the rear of Fort Ward. Did you ever know Joe Locke, Joseph L., a Manchester boy? I saw him yesterday. He is in the 33rd Massachusetts, which is temporarily assigned to this brigade. Father brought up from the city yesterday a big bag of flour, butter, and about all the other fixings he could lug, and there will be high living for a time in our tent. The laugh was on him good and hard the day we moved camp. He started out in the morning from our old camp to visit the hospitals. When we arrived here, he was at the seminary, only a few rods away. He watched us come and pitch our tents, without any idea that it was the second regiment, and when he got ready to go, he tramped back to the old camp, only to find himself among strangers. Fortunately, someone was able to direct him, and in due time he was back here with four extra miles of travel to his credit. Those boxes that the boys sent for from Harrison's Landing came along yesterday, but a great deal of the stuff had been so long on the way that it had spoiled. When I see these new regiments coming out now, I remind myself that when my term of service is ended, they will be only halfway through. But I hope that with the new calls for troops, there will be enough to finish this up in so short a time that we can all be home before long. Two or three of the boys, supposed to have been killed at Bull Run, have turned up in the hospitals. But poor Frank Robinson is undoubtedly dead. What company is your brother in? I will hunt him up if I can get to his regiment after it arrives. James K. Lane, Company G, 
11th New Hampshire. Letter 68. Camp near Alexandria, Virginia. Sunday evening, September the 21st, 1862. I have been down to the 11th Regiment to see James, K. Lane, the girl's brother, and other boys there. I went into the camp, stopped a while at one of the Manchester companies, where I found lots of fellows that I knew, and then started for Company G to find James, when he bore down on me with all sail spread. I knew him, and he knew me at sight, and we were just as well acquainted after we had shaken hands as though we had known each other for years. We are doing a little digging now, just enough to keep our hand in, on rifle pits between Forts Worth and Ward. Our knapsacks, which were loaded onto barges when we left Harrison's Landing, got here only two days ago. I had begun to think they were gone for good, and was ready to bewail the loss of all my valuables when they turned up safe and sound. Letter 69. Camp near Alexandria, Virginia. September the 29th, 1862. It is now almost nine o'clock in the evening, and I have had a pretty busy day. And tomorrow I go on picket, which will spoil two days more. So I guess I had better write tonight. This morning, as soon as I had eaten my breakfast, I started off for the 10th Regiment, met lots of old Manchester acquaintances, and Billy Cochrane, Ichabod, Sergeant Bartlett and I got together and had a real Excelsior Literary Society reunion. On my way back, I called in at the 11th Regiment camp, and James walked a part of the way home with me. Tonight, Bobby, Albert B. Robinson, who was taken prisoner at the first bull run, got back to the company and the reception he got from those of us who are still left baffles all description. A camp story is going the rounds that Governor Berry is trying to have this regiment sent to New Hampshire to recruit. Letter 70 Camp near Alexandria, Virginia Sunday, October the 12th, 1862 Have just got back from the 13th Regiment where I found not a single man I knew, so I got a good long tramp for nothing. Got a mosaic letter from Sister Adi Friday, made up of contributions from half a dozen of her friends. Have just had a pocket tourniquet given me, a little instrument to stop the flow of blood from a wounded arm or leg. I don't see how it could be of much use in stopping a bloody nose. Charlie Smiley has never been heard from and doubtless never will. So far as quarters are concerned, we are mighty comfortably situated just now. We have folded up our pieces of shelter tent, and in their place pitched a camp of old-fashioned army Sibleys. My tent crew comprises seven good fellows. Each man has built himself a bunk, and still there is room to spare. The heavy tent cloth keeps out the rain, so we have a perfectly dry nest. But there are persistent rumours that we will not remain here much longer. Letter 71 Camp near Alexandria, Virginia October the 19th, 1862 
the 11th Regiment is now in the vicinity of Harper's Ferry. Simons, who used to keep the bookstore, was down here yesterday, hunting up stragglers from the division. He thought that by this time the regiment might be over in Virginia. The nights are getting to be uncomfortably cool. My two heavy blankets are not enough to keep me from feeling right chilly some nights, and I will have to draw an overcoat before long something I have not felt the need of for some time. We went up to the fort today to report to the engineer for fatigue duty, but he was not at home, and we didn't feel we had any call to hang around waiting for him. Letter 72 Camp near Alexandria, Virginia, October the 28th, 1862 My company went on picket last Saturday, it was a most disagreeable outing. A miserable rainstorm came on in the night, and when the boys, after a very tardy relief, dragged themselves back to camp, they were cold, wet, bedraggled, and discouraged. The rain held up yesterday forenoon, but the wind kept up in a wild gale. I hardly ever saw such a blow. Some of our tents were blown over. The tent pins of my tent pulled out, and I thought at one time the whole outfit was going, sure enough. But we managed to anchor it, and today is one of the most delightful imaginable. An order was recently issued by the War Department, designed to fill up the regular cavalry regiments at the expense of the volunteers. It permits the transfer of ten men from each volunteer company by re-enlistment for three or five years, or to serve out the unexpired part of their present enlistment. Lots of our boys have been getting sour over some of the conditions here, and were more than anxious to try a change. So yesterday, ten from this company marched down to the recruiting station at Alexandria and joined the cavalry. When Colonel Marston heard of this, he was mad as a hornet, and when they shouldered their knapsacks this morning, and marched away to their new command, he sent a guard down to arrest and bring them back. But Colonel Starr ordered the guard away, telling them they had no business there, and that the men now belonged to the second U.S. Cavalry. It is really a pretty hard blow to the old company, and makes me feel a little blue and lonesome. The lost men are among the cream of the old company, such men as Heenan, and Perk Lane, and Jean Hayswell, and my bunkie, Rod Manning. We have not a quarter of a regiment to do duty now, and yet we are doing the work of a full regiment. And the people in New Hampshire think we are resting up. Why? I am now, and for some time have been, doing heavy guard duty every other day. There are lots of mighty cross men here just now, who blame some of the officers for everything that goes wrong, and the dearest wish of many is to get out of the regiment as soon as possible. I am sure the report that Charlie Smiley is in a hospital near Washington is incorrect. We have heard nothing of it here, and I fear we will never hear him sing those songs of his any more. I began this letter this morning, and now it is evening. I have written little snatches, as I had opportunity through the day. Jean Hayswell and one or two more of the cavalry boys have just come up visiting. They go over to Washington tomorrow. 
Colonel Marston managed to get some sort of a veto put on any more cavalry enlistment down where our boys went, but some thirty or forty from other companies went off today and found another place where they could enlist. So they beat the old colonel after all. Everything I can hear the boys talk about now is cavalry. Rod Manning has just come in to bid me good-bye. Good old Rod. I almost wish I was going with him. There is any quantity of noise about camp, and the new band of the 11th Massachusetts is contributing to the general hilarity by putting in some of its loudest work. It is getting awfully cold now. Frost last night, and I can hardly hold my pen in my fingers. End of section 24